The big brain behind Yahoo Sports. Check out the big brain on Brad. Rivals.com. Why are you laughing over there? It's time for the Trojansports.com podcast with Blair Angulo, Chris Swanson, and Adam J. Maya. It is a holiday edition as the boys get you set for the Holiday Bowl. Saturday night after Christmas at Qualcomm. They talk to Sean Callahan of HuskerOnline.com, the rival site for the Nebraska Cornhuskers. The boys got a prediction. We might find a bumper sticker award. And yes, we get you ready for Christmas. Sleigh bells, mistletoe, and so much more. The holiday edition of the Trojan Sports Podcast kicks off now. Now. Welcome back to the Trojansports.com podcast. I am Blair Angulo, joined as always by Adam Maya and Chris Swanson, Trojansports.com staff writers. <laughs> Chris and Adam, you guys are going down to San Diego, and uh, it'll be a big game for USC to close out the year against Nebraska. We're going to preview that. Also going to chat with Sean Callahan, the publisher of HuskerOnline.com. We're also going to talk recruiting. So a loaded podcast, guys. How, how you doing? How are the holidays kind of treating you right now? Busy. You guys happy? Yeah. Are Adam, you happy? Adam, you're going to Tiffany and Company. <laughs> uh, that's or, my wife. Are we? Are is this a, is this a secret? No, is we can she, we can okay. talk about it. I already gave her the. Um, you the told necklace. her not to. Yeah, you told her not to listen to the podcast just because you were going to discuss gift no, options. No, yeah. <laughs> no, she got her her Tiffany key, but I got to go back and get a a bigger necklace and a matching. And a matching necklace. <laughs> I'm getting a bracelet. Yeah, Blair, I guess you and I aren't getting anything from Tiffany's. I know. I know. We're not getting anything from Adam either. Except, actually, except a lot of analysis. You don't know that. Oh, okay. San Francisco Giants commemorative World Series championship t-shirt <laughs> from Sports Illustrated. <laughs> <laughs> He's keeping the subscription. Right. Okay. So, guys, a big week uh, for USC as they prepare to take on Nebraska. You guys will be there. What What are you expecting to see? Chris, we'll start with you. I mean, it, it's a big game for USC to close out the year on, on a good note, send out some of those guys that are leaving on a good note, and for Steve Sarkeesian just to continue to build momentum heading into National Signing Day. I'm expecting a great game. I think it uh, it kind of turned out well for USC, as well as it could have, you know, without winning the conference and getting to a giant bowl game and all that kind of stuff. You know, they're in Southern California in an NFL stadium playing a, a, a huge national power, even though Nebraska isn't what they used to be. You know, it just, it kind of feels like a big game in Southern California. It's just, it seems like the perfect setting for them if they weren't going to get, you know, to the national title game or Rose Bowl or whatever. Yeah, and, and it's a drive. It's a short drive for you guys who will be covering the game. And We're provi- happy. Yeah, and providing coverage on Trojansports.com. Any pit stops, any uh, SeaWorld or Legoland or anything that, well, I'm, I'm going to carpool with Adam, so I'm going to let him take care okay. of all that kind of stuff. All you know, right. maybe get some good uh, tacos or something while we're barbecue. down there. Yeah, a barbecue. Surprisingly in good San barbecue Diego. in San Diego. Oh, huh. I feel like I've been there. It's it's kind of a few miles from Pe- Petco Park. It's great. I don't know what it's called, but it, it was amazing. I think you're thinking of <laughs> Phil's. Yeah, off but, the five. But we have no. There's, <laughs> Shout there's out to another. Phil's. There's another spot which uh, I wish I could tell you right now. Bulls, I think Bulls smoking barbecue. California burritos and tacos and all that sort of stuff. So UFC fans will will have plenty to eat, you know, after mm-hmm. their their holiday well, we will, meals. We will at least. You guys for sure. <laughs> Can't you guys, worry about yeah, that. Yeah, you guys need to bring me some back. Um, a big week of, of practice, just because you know they wrap up this bowl game and they go into the off season, lift schedules and all that, heading into the spring. Uh, Adam, what's been the biggest focus or the biggest takeaway for you from from just watching these practices? Well, they you know began installing their game plan in the middle of last week, and one thing we really picked up on was that when they're in full pads, they have a whole different mindset, and you know I think Stark really wants to employ that full time, and he just you know isn't willing to go there given the numbers. And the numbers, how many times have we talked about that? But we saw a couple of great practices where, you know, they're in full pads and they can hit each other and they can really, you know, be boys. And then, you know, they're in the the, the shells and shorts and it's a different vibe, you know. And it's hard to, I think, go in and out. And they had to do that throughout the year where they couldn't go full contact every day. And, you know, early in the week you want to do that, especially before a game. So I'll be curious to see you know, how they finish off their week in terms of that. 
But all in all, they're very excited. You know, I think that they want to be in this game. They don't look at it as like a, a big constellation. But I think they respect Nebraska. And, you know, they've been practicing for three weeks now. So they're ready to, to hit somebody else. Yeah, it, it seems like a long, long time ago since we saw them at the Coliseum against Notre Dame. And we forget that they had a really good performance against a, a battered and bruised Notre Dame team. But this team does have some momentum heading into to this game just because of that massive win. Yeah, you know, you beat, you beat your one of your biggest rivals by 35 points. That's momentum, you know, especially at the end of the season. I think they're in a good spot. I think that they're, you know, there's there's a couple injuries. Obviously, they lost Antoine Woods, but they seem, you know, healthy. They have some time to put between them in a long season where they would get banged up. They have some time to, you know, make adjustments for offense, defense. I think it's uh, it's looking good for them right now. Yeah, I, I think they'll play well, too, because you get the vibe that there's a continuation going. There's sometimes when... You know, a certain group of, you know, seniors are all leaving together and you feel like that was the end of a little mini era, you know, in the program. Right now we have so many people coming back. I mean, we we might see a few juniors leaving and, you know, Hayes Pillard, Randall Kelfer, a couple of notable seniors, um, J.R. Tavai. But we have a lot of people coming back, you know, and, and I think they're really preparing to build. You know, I think the way that they're... Um, building their offense the way that they're, you know, rotating people on defense. It's almost as if, like, we're, we're playing Nebraska and then we're going to prepare for our opener, you know, next year, even though that's nine months away. Uh, it really seems like this is a continuation, not just like a, a finality. Yeah, speaking of nine months away and next year and all that sort of stuff, I want to get into this. Juju Smith. Okay. Is this a guy that I saw in, in high school for two and a half years? And he was playing both ways, even did some running back, receiver, safety, did some linebacker. He was doing it all there, uh, running the Wildcat at times for Long Beach Poly. Had a great season at USC as a true freshman. I mean, he was very, very good. Mm -hmm. Heading into his sophomore year, now there's talk that he could potentially be a two-way player. Yeah, well, he kind of opened up the talk. And he said this past week uh, to ESPN. He spilled the beans. Well, I don't know. I, we Yeah, let's break this we, down. We so what happened? To him. We're going to talk to him again this week, but he told ESPN, I'm, you know, I'm going to play both ways. He's looking forward to it and that he's going to be doing what Adori did. Um except that, you know, he would be a full-time receiver and then, you know, spot duty on defense. I don't know. I don't I don't I don't know if I see it happening. Um there's a lot that goes into that, and if you look historically, there have been really no full-time offensive players that play a lot of defense. Um, you've seen it the other way around, from from Dion to um, Champ Bailey, uh, Charles Woodson. You know, um, we, we we've seen that, but you know, those guys were defensive players that can come in and you know take a few take a few plays and yeah. go up for a pass. Yeah, the only one that we could think of that did it the other way Troy Brown Troy Brown from the New England Patriots Chris I mean you saw him in high school as well a lot of people thought he was a better safety prospect than than receiver kind of kind of a marquee sleep you know what he did at Gardena Serra as well I and I was one of them I thought uh, Smith was a better safety in high school than receiver he obviously is great on both sides of the ball I actually uh, I don't like this for USC Um, I think that it makes sense from the standpoint of you know they need help at safety they need some other guys that makes sense. What I don't like about it is you have a young player. You're developing him as a football player. He's got to focus on one position at, the, at this stage in his career. He's got to get receiver down or safety. Pick one, develop him. Once he's a finished product at one position, that's when you move guys around. At least that's how I feel. I feel like that that making giving guys too much on their plate can really stunt development, and I'm not sure that, that this is the best thing for them right now. Well, I, I think Juju will be their number one receiver next year. Um, you know, more and more, I believe that Nelson Aguilar will be moving on. And if he does, then Juju's number one. And how much do you want your top receiver you know, playing both ways? And he already starts on every special teams unit, which I, I think that will have to change a little bit as well. And so I, don't, I just don't see it happening. Um, 
we know that Juju wants to do it. Keith Hayward made a kind of a, I guess, a somewhat cryptic comment uh, a couple weeks ago about, you know, him wanting Juju to do it. But when we asked Stark about it, you know, he immediately, he didn't want to, like, you know, totally reject it and maybe kill Juju's spirit. But he said there's a lot of nuances and a lot that goes into going on the defense and really understanding, you know, the scheme and, and the looks and everything. And you have to really read the, the whole play where if you're on offense, you kind of have a, a singular job and you, you don't have to read everything. It doesn't take too much for a Dory um, from a mental aspect to go and take a take a handoff or, again, go up for a pass. Yeah, I mean, this is what we get by recruiting players that play both ways. I mean, there's always going to be the controversy. There's always going to be the discussion to find out which position suits him best. Uh, there's a guy, obviously, that got injured, Antoine Woods. What's the latest there, Adam? Well, Antoine has a, a torn pec, and with that, he can be out for a while. Uh, we saw Devon Kennard, you know, miss the entire season. And you look around, you know, college football, NFL, and people are, you know, they're, they're limited when they, when they suffer that injury. The only good thing about it is that, you know, it came in December and, you would expect that he should be able to go in fall camp, but you know nothing is promised for that kind of injury. It can be kind of a funny recovery, so uh, kind of a big blow for the game, I would say. Um, he's a big part of their run defense, and they got Delvon Simmons moving over from defensive tackle to nose tackle. Uh, Delvon is an intriguing player, where very long, very rangy, but doesn't have the you know, the girth of Antoine. So um, we don't really know what we're gonna what we're gonna see from him. You know, in the middle. Right, Chris. Obviously, Woods is out there from that defensive line, uh, and now with Nebraska, we're expecting them to be a team similar to what we saw from Boston College, just a mobile quarterback that can take off when he has to, uh, a really dynamic running back. Uh, they've they've got some injuries on their offensive line, but. What what kind of style do you envision USC playing? What do you expect from them Saturday at the at the Holiday Bowl? I think I think they're going to try to shut down the run, uh, make Nebraska throw the ball. It's a strategy that they they've had for almost every team that they've played. That's been a you know, strong run team. They try to take that away and make them beat them in a, in a different way. Unfortunately for USC, they haven't done a good job of stopping the pass game when they've been able to, to shut down the run against uh, some of those teams. Stanford comes to mind. Uh, UCLA. UCLA, yeah. Uh, Utah even. I mean, there's there's a few examples. Um, I think that their defensive line, uh, although the depth is, isn't going to be there, we were just talking about with Anton Woods, I think that's going to be okay. Um, Delvon Simmons has played nose for them in, in four-man fronts before. He played nose in fall camp. but um, So I think that there's, they'll be able to stop the run uh, anyway, we just we gotta we gotta see if that pass game comes to hurt them if their secondary can stand up, especially young secondary as we were talking about earlier and, and issues at safety. Right. Offensively, will this be the last hurrah for Nelson Aguilar? Yeah, I mean, I I think it will. Um, I think that Buck Allen will go. We forget that Buck Allen is 23, and you know he came to USC as a 20 year old freshman and has really made something of himself. But he was already contemplating last year, you know, after a big finish, whether he would go. He came back, ran for over 1,300 yards. I'm pretty confident that that Buck will be moving on. And again, with Nelson, he finally talked to us about it this past week. And, you know, he's, again, very hard to read, kind of will talk around things. But you could tell that he's already preparing himself to to go you know i think that it, it, he he has every right to go you know i think that's good for him you know we would congratulate him but it really is a process that you know takes some time and i think that he has done the work you know and he's been a, a great practice player and you know obviously great in games and i think that he's kind of reached that point where, okay, like, I'm ready to move on. Yeah, and we should see them plenty motivated not only to end their careers with, with a victory, but to show and to prove themselves on, on a big stage heading into the draft. Yeah, you, you kind of wonder about that sometimes when you have people that are going to be leaving. Um, you hope that they haven't checked out, you know, 
And I, I, I mean, I don't think that'll be a problem. I mean, I we've, we've, it. Yeah, we've seen it all year. Cody Cussler, you know, blatantly targeting Nelson Aguilar, basically, you know, being his number one option and just reading him and reading his route. So I don't think we'll see anything different Saturday. Yeah, I, mean, I, I think Buck is going to have a good game. I think he's been rejuvenated by a little bit the of time rest, off. Yeah, and, the rest. And so, you know, I expect him to be all in. Leonard Williams, you know, you know that he'll come to play. And I think Aguilar is also looking to still prove himself, you know, because he applied for a, a draft evaluation. And I don't really like the way that the grades are, are set up right now, but it's, you know, first grade, second grade, or neither. And I don't think he'll get first or second. You know, yeah. he'll probably get neither, even though he wouldn't go undrafted. And so, um, not that he's necessarily thinking about that, but you know that he's trying to earn that first or second round, uh, second round grade, I think that he'll have a big game. Chris, what is the likelihood, in your opinion, that this will also be the last game of, of I guess, his career for now, uh, Damian Mama? I'm not sure. Um, you know, it, it's tough to say. Obviously, we're talking about the, the Mormon mission. Uh, he's been, Mama's been discussing it since he was at St. John Bosco still. I think that's why that makes it a hard read is, is because he was seriously thinking about the, it, and then he decided to go to USC. Now he's seriously thinking about it again. Um, I don't know. I've, it's, it's, it's all up to him. There's no inside information coming out, you know, from his camp or from the school or well, anything. You did like talk that. to him. I did talk to him, and he told me he's undecided and that he doesn't know. He told me that last year, too, uh, you know, before he, he chose to go to USC. So I don't know. Right now, I think it's up in the air. I mean, I, I've talked to him as well, uh, not on that particular topic, but in general, he's a pretty kind of a giddy kid, you yeah. know. He gets real excited. Um, he loves being with a team, and and we saw that uh, with him, you know, in high school and now at USC. And so, I don't see him walking away from this, uh, especially with a starting job right there in front of him. Yeah, if I if I had to gauge it, I think the probability of him leaving is very very low. Whenever I've talked to him, he references his his buddies as his brothers, right. and we're talking about Juju Smith, we're talking Vianney Talamavao and, and Toa Lobendon, other freshmen that he came in with very close with and he can kind of share this experience with them throughout their career and uh, that that's just kind of my feel and my my vibe but obviously we'll get the scoop on uh, trojansports.com i think chris will be on duty right after the bowl game to hang out by his locker and wait for damien uh to get the answer. i do that every day <laughs> <laughs> wow okay so adam yeah it's that time of the year um Time of the time week. Of the podcast. Yeah, time of the year, time of the week, time uh, of the holidays. Are we passing out bumper stickers? We are right now. Oh, wow. The Adam Maya Bumper Sticker Award is happening right now. Yeah. Can we I, get some jingle bells and some little festive? <laughs> All right. We'll, we'll do we that. We'll get then that. And there it is. All right. Well, Blair, I, uh, I've been thinking about it for a while. You know, For a week. Yeah. No, <laughs> for a while. All year. This <laughs> is, you know, the one. Um the, the last practice bumper sticker award. <laughs> um, I'm going to go with Stephen Mitchell. Uh, I thought he had another really, really, really good week. And that's a kid that you root for, you know, coming off of just a really devastating knee injury. And not only that, but when he got to fall camp and, you know, he's kind of working his way back into full health, he's like number eight of eight you know, at receiver, and you're looking at Juju, you know, brand new and climbing to the top and starting the opener, and you see Jenny, you know, in that, that conversation start, and you have, like, veterans like Victor Blackwell, you remember him? Uh, George Farmer, you know, Darius had been there already a year before, and he played last year as a true freshman. Obviously, you got Nelson, uh, Dory is already, like, in the mix, so... You, that can be a lot. It can be a lot to to think about and and to be overwhelmed by. And you know, it, it came slowly. You know, even in mid October, he was barely playing, and then he started two games in November. And now, I mean, he's still practicing. Like I want to be the the top receiver on the team, very competitive. And it reminds me of Juju in that way now, where there's a there's a confidence, a swagger, and somebody back to him. Um, honorable mention, though, to Bryce Dixon. I thought he's uh, come a long way, and, and he's growing up. He's maturing. 
and also Galvan. I thought Galvan had a had a good week, and you know, it isn't easy to just kind of move over uh, on the fly like that. So. I I saw a lot of good things during yeah. the week. But so maybe those guys get mi- yeah, many maybe those guys get mini bumper stickers, just kind of a no. You got to get it. You got to earn sticker it. Stickers, stickers. Maybe I'm, a th- yeah thing. Let me give it out one. Maybe a thing that you could just put on their binder. A star like a <laughs> remember the gold star. Yeah, a little gold star. Yeah, but bumper sticker, Stephen Mitchell. Congrats. All right, so we've handed that out. Now it's time for predictions, Chris. I'm feeling a USC victory here. And 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 it's not really going to be close. I, I don't think. Whoa! I'm going 48 to 31 for the Trojans. So that's what a 17 points, if my math is correct. Good math play. Yeah. So UCLA degree at work. Yeah. So I think USC will will do really really well down in San Diego. I think they'll have a lot of fans there, and I think Steve Sarkeesian will close out the year. Just take advantage of the whole shakeup there in Nebraska. Really outcoach. I'll coach Nebraska, I think, and 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 send out those guys that are leaving for the NFL on a good note, and just build some more momentum heading into National Signing Day. Blair, you know, I uh, I completely agree with you. Actually, I think that that this is a a game that's set up for USC to win. I think Nebraska is going to have trouble coming back from you know coaching changes. I wonder if the coaching staff that's there is motivated, if their players are motivated. I know USC has depth issues. Surprise, uh, we haven't mentioned that ever, but I think the in general, they get more talent than Nebraska. Um, and it's a bowl game, last game, nothing else to look forward to. I just think it's all USC, especially in Southern California. I'm going to say 42 to 21 Trojans. Wow. Okay, well, I'm looking at it a little bit differently. As I, you always do. I'm, I'm curious to see how they're going to defend, you know, this running back and uh, a quarterback that can move and, you know, is a competent thrower. Um, much better than the than Tyler Murphy in Boston College. Not the runner that he was, but um, I remember the way Stanford even moved the ball when there was that threat, you know. And, and Kevin Hogan, you know, was capable, capable runner, and this might be comparable to that. Anyway, so I think Nebraska will put up some points. Um, I really like the way USC's offense has been playing for the last couple months outside of UCLA game. So I'm thinking 35-24. USC. All right, so clean sweep for the Trojans, and it'll be a, a good game. You can catch all the coverage on Trojansports.com. These guys will be down in San Diego. Also check back on the podcast next week, and we'll have kind of a recap and, and uh, send you off International Signing Day. So we'll be right back to break down Nebraska with Sean Callahan, the publisher of HuskerOnline.com. You're listening to the Trojansports.com podcast. Hey, Travis Rogers from Yahoo Sports Radio. Thanks for listening to my friends, Trojansports.com and the Trojan Sports Podcast, presented by Rivals. You know, we talk Trojans and everything going on in sports. Plus, we actually have some fun every morning on Yahoo Sports Radio and heard locally in Southern California on AMA 30 KLAA, home of the Angels. It's the Travis Rogers Show every weekday morning from 6 until 10. Check us out. Now, back to the Trojansports.com podcast. Welcome back to the Trojansports.com podcast. We're now joined by HuskerOnline.com publisher Sean Callahan. You can find him on Twitter at Sean underscore Callahan. Sean, thanks for joining us. Hey, guys. Good to be on. So, Sean, a a big couple months here for Nebraska. Recently, they hired Mike Riley from Oregon State. What's the vibe there in Lincoln right now with that program? Well, I think any time with big change, there's that fear of the unknown. And Mike Riley... Is, is a foreign language over here. A lot of people obviously didn't know much about Mike Riley, didn't follow his career, because Nebraska and Oregon State have never crossed paths in football in their history. So um, I think as uh, initially there was a little bit of, who is this guy? We don't know much about him. But I think when you learn more about Mike Riley, his background, and, and what he's accomplished, um, and what they've already shown in recruiting early on, uh, which is the way they've utilized social media and different things that Bo Pelini never would do, uh, there's a lot of excitement. I think there's definitely um, optimism with the hire, and I think people have learned that Mike Riley, there's a lot of respect for this guy and, and what he accomplished at Oregon State. What many would say is probably one of the worst setups of any school in the entire Pac-12 along maybe with Washington State. Yeah, so so Riley joins the you know that program. Now Nebraska is preparing for this holiday bowl against USC. How has that coaching transition affected the way they're preparing for the Trojans? Well, there's no doubt. It's been um, 
an emotional month of December. I mean, this month of December, here we're only, you know, three and a half weeks in the month right now, and it feels like this month has gone on for three months. There's been just so much change, so many things that have happened, um, that that really is, I think, the biggest question with this bowl game is how Nebraska will respond, how they come out, uh, because naturally there were a lot of guys that like bowl pulling, like any coach. So I think a lot of players had a hard time with it uh, from the coaching standpoint. They know that they've all lost their jobs. I mean, everybody on the staff, from the support staff, their jobs as well. The strength coaches are moving on. So after December 31st, it's going to be a whole new Nebraska. So this game against the Trojans, obviously it's a premier matchup between two national prominent programs. It's not the biggest bowl game out there, obviously. But you know what's the what's the feeling amongst the players and the coaching staff about what they could accomplish uh, there this weekend in San Diego? Well, I, I just think the stage makes it better. I mean, two brands, Nebraska USC. I mean, these teams have only played four times in history, and uh, just to have them in the bowl game and have it be Saturday night, it's it's not the nine o'clock game that you know most of the nation doesn't get to see on our time. You know, when Pac-12 games are at night, a lot of times they're seven p.m. local. 9 p.m. Central, 10 p.m. Eastern. Well, this is a 5 p.m. local, 7 and 8 o'clock Eastern and Central kick. So I think from that standpoint, it is going to be a marquee game. It's going to get a lot of eyeballs and arguably, I think, be one of the more viewed bowl games besides those big uh, New Year's Day games out there. And I I think the stage is great. Um, I would expect it to be a full stadium. I know Nebraska had about 1,500 less in their allotment. Now, their allotment's only 6,000. But a lot of fans from Nebraska will buy out of the allotment. Um, you know, earlier this year they played at Fresno State, and uh, over 15,000 Nebraska fans were at Fresno State for that game, where by the end of the game you would have thought it was Nebraska's home game when all the Fresno fans left their stadium. Um, so I expect a lot of Husker fans from Phoenix, Vegas, Northern California, Southern California uh, to come up to San Diego for the weekend and, um, you know, make the most out of what's kind of been a definitely a different month here in Lincoln. We're joined by Sean Callahan, the publisher of HuskerOnline.com. Sean, USC has struggled to stop the run this year. Obviously, Nebraska has one of the best running backs, if not the, the best running back in the country, in Amir Abdullah. He's rushed for over 1,500 yards, 18 touchdowns. What makes him special? He, he just has that ability to take the two-yard runs and make them six-yard runs. He has the ability to make an extra man miss. He takes what can be a 20-yard run for a lot of guys into a 40-yard run. Um, his ability to make not the first man miss, but the next one or two guys after him miss in the open field um, you know, is what gives him um, his greatness. I mean, he just knows how to break tackles, read blocks, very patient, um, and he has the ability to, to break long runs. And I think he will be healthy. You know, he's been bothered with injuries for really the last month of the season with a uh, knee sprain and um, he should be as close to 100% as he's been um, since October, which I think you'll see a different Amir Abdullah in this bowl game here for Nebraska. Hey, Sean, Adam Maya here. I want to know, with Tommy Armstrong, how does USC want to defend him? We know that you know he is a true dual-threat quarterback, but do they want to make him run? Do they want to keep him in the pocket? What do you think? Well, I think, number one, you have to get him in the third and passing situations where um, the quarterback run game is not as effective because he, and he's not Taylor Martinez. You know, he's a guy that probably runs a four seven forty. He's an effective runner that can get you six to ten yard runs, but he's not going to get much more than that very often. Um, so as long as you can keep him in the pocket, um, he struggles reading the field. I mean, there are many many times where he has missed wide open guys down the field where he just doesn't see them. So I think if you can get him in some of those situations where the pressure mounts up on him. Uh, that's where he struggles, especially uh, the protection. You know, they've had problems, guys, with protection. And I don't know how well you followed the storylines out of Lincoln here, but Nebraska is going to be without three of their top eight offensive linemen. Their top two centers are out right now, so they'll be starting a third-string center who played his first significant game snaps um, at Iowa in the season finale in the second half. Um, Their starting right tackle is out as well, Zach Stirrup. So they are down... Uh, to a skeleton offensive line uh, where they don't have a lot of guys up front. And I would think USC is going to try to attack that, especially in those passing downs. 
Hey, Sean. Chris Swanson here. Um, I was just wondering something about Nebraska. It seems like outside of that Wisconsin uh, loss that was a blowout, most of their games have been close. What's the, what's the feeling with this team at 9-3? and three? Do you feel like did, is that where they should have been, or did they underachieve? You know, What should USC expect in terms of talent level from this team? I mean, realistically, they should probably be 10-2. and two. Um, Wisconsin, obviously, they lose that game. It's in Madison. In the Michigan State game, they lost that game by five, uh, but they were dominated by uh, Michigan State for over three quarters, and Michigan State let off the gas, and Nebraska made a couple of big plays. They got a punt return by their dynamic punt returner, Mornay Pearsonell, uh, who's an All-American, and um, you know that turned that game, just like he did in the Iowa game, but... Um, I think realistically, this is a team that probably should have been ten and two. Minnesota, they're up twenty-one to three on Minnesota. Um, they should have won that game at home. Um, but you know that that's about what, especially with the injuries they faced. Uh, Randy Gregory has not played a lot this year. He's battled injuries. Amir Abdullah's battled injury throughout the year. Their star receiver Kenny Bell, uh, who's the Nebraska's all-time leading receiver, um, he's been nicked up. So. They've had a lot of guys get hurt. Um, if you were to like name their marquee players, and uh, but you know ten and two, and you probably wonder why they fire Bo Pelini. It was more than just the wins. It was the the culture he kind of created here, where it was an us versus the world mentality. Where almost the fans and the media um, and everybody outside became the enemy, and it, it just got to the point where it just wasn't healthy. And I'm sure you guys have heard the audio tape out of Lincoln and what he told players in that final meeting. Uh, ripping Nebraska's administration and the fans and the media, um, you know, it just that that was why he got fired more than anything. Not 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 necessarily the wins and the losses. Yeah, plenty of off the field stuff happening with Nebraska. Before we let you go, Sean, give us a prediction. What what do you think happens there Saturday in San Diego? Guys, you know, just watching uh, Utah, Colorado State, in a similar situation with Jim McElwain going at Colorado State to Florida. Um, you know, you, you just have to wonder, especially with Nebraska's injuries up front on the lines. Um, Randy Gregory will play, uh, but he's he's not himself either. He's lost some weight. I just wonder what he can give Nebraska in the pass rush. I'm going to take USC probably by at least two touchdowns. I haven't I haven't put my prediction down, but uh, with the interim situation, it's really really hard to uh, for me to envision a scenario with Nebraska winning unless USC just simply doesn't want to be there. All right. Well, there you have it. Thanks uh, a lot for joining us, Sean. Enjoy uh, that that stakeout in, in Nebraska and, and enjoy the game and happy holidays. Thanks, guys. Uh, we'll be out there. I know Robin Washett, my beat writer, will be in San Diego the 23rd for Husker Online, and I'll get in on the 25th. So hopefully we can cross paths there at that press conference on Friday morning. Absolutely. Thanks a lot. All right, guys. We'll be back to discuss USC recruiting. You're listening to the Trojansports.com podcast. Hey, it's the QB Sean Salisbury, and you're listening to the Trojan Sports podcast right here on the home for everything USC. Everything USC. Trojansports.com. You're listening to the Trojan Sports podcast on Trojansports.com. Powered by Rivals. 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 back on the trojansports.com podcast chatting usc football recruiting chris swanson joined us adamaya joins us yep guys it's the dead period but plenty still going on with usc recruiting isaac whitney they picked up a commitment they picked up a signature chris you were there uh and adam you heard what steve sarkeesian had to say what's the scoop well uh juco wide receiver i think that's a big deal for them they don't have a lot of upperclassmen uh receivers you know i think it, it's a good thing to get some more experience in there we were talking about earlier juju smith might be that number one you know you don't want your number two to be a sophomore or a freshman as well i think uh, also a big guy you know bigger i think that uh they six have a, four six four six five yeah they say six four um i'll believe it when i see the measuring tape but he you've, might be I mean, six you've four stu- you've, st- you've stood next to him so he, he might be six four okay he's a bigger receiver i'll give i'll give him that um yeah uh, i think that uh they need some of those guys they don't have those guys on their roster right now too much they have a lot of uh you know slot speedy quick shifty guys and i think you know you want to go over the top a little bit maybe throw a fade around the end zone every once in a while yeah even if he is six three that would make him the tallest receiver um juju has been their, their biggest guy and you know cody hasn't really looked at him as like a a red zone target you know and um 
they haven't had a guy that they could just kind of like throw it up to. And so no alley oops. Yeah, I mean, I, I think Whitney can really fill a role here. Um, it's competitive. I mean, that position is so deep, and I like a lot of the talent coming back with or without Aguilar. But I think Whitney uh, has a has a place here. Sark was pretty excited about him because he thought that um, he said he had little guy qualities in the sense that he got out of his breaks really quickly, you know, and he was pretty fluid, and so. Um, and also at the same time, he's bigger, and as Chris alluded to, he has experience. Um, they don't have, they still don't have a lot of juniors and seniors all together that are taking on that leadership role. You know, people are going to be looking at like Sua Cravens next year, who will be a, a true junior. And so it will be good to have more veterans. I think that you need that in the locker room. Something else, too, is uh, two years to play, too, I think is. USC comes out of these scholarship reductions and starts to get up to to 85 it, it might be you know good for them to to be able to fill a class with 25 but then get some of those scholarships out of there quickly so that they can you know take big classes again and then you look at the 2016 class with all those receivers in California you tell them we didn't bring in that many freshman receivers last year you know you guys have a place to start here even though you have you know, you were able to add receivers. Yeah, it, it's a great addition on multiple fronts, like you mentioned. Doesn't hamper your ability to recruit the elite 2016 guys, and you're able to to get in a guy that can contribute right away. So I think an ultimate win-win situation for USC. We saw him on his official visit to USC. He was at practice playing catch with Ricky Town's father, and you could just tell the athleticism. He was trying one-handed catches, just kind of moving re- really fluidly in jeans. I mean, the, the you know, kid I think is going to be a baller at USC. He was commitment number 18, so they have six remaining spots in that 24-man class. Commitment number 17 was Tyler Petit, tight end, four-star from Moraga, California. Campo Lindo High School won a CIF State Bowl game over the weekend down in Carson. You were there? Yeah, he flipped from Duke. Very athletic kid. He, he's, you know, we're talking 6'3", 6'4". We're, we're talking about a, a kid that's 6'4", 6'5". Mm. Uh, very athletic, just moves well, fluid, uh, not stiff. Needs to be more physical, but I think right now athleticism is 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 his big selling point. He's going to come in, and he thinks you know he can compete compete for playing time right away. He mentioned, he told me that he didn't mind uh, redshirting because he knows that he's going to go in and still be able to to you know play four years regardless whether that's delayed or not. And I think a big thing for him is you know just being able to play. I, I, he doesn't care when it happens, but he knows he'll have the opportunity to play. And USC needs tight end, so it was a big pickup. Yeah, they do. Um, just look at that roster. Randall Telfer's leaving. It's Bryce Dixon, Jalen Cope, Fitzpatrick. If he's academically eligible, you know he's kind of a question mark. Maybe they bring Junior Palme back. Who knows? But they definitely need him. And I hope that uh, Adam gave a bumper sticker to the coaching staff last week for being able to flip him. From no, Duke. it went to Max Brown. Oh well, still a huge, huge deal, and they might deserve a bumper sticker in the future. Okay. <laughs> Duly noted, Adam. I says. think we're saving all the bumper stickers for National Sign Day. Okay, because we're just going to be sending, right. just shipping those out. Thankfully, we have a what? A, what is it? A corporate mailing account. Yeah. So I think we'll be good That's on right. that front. Uh, so Tyler Petit, really good, dynamic player, really good hands. If you go on my Twitter page at Bangulo, I said that. Shameless correct. plug. I said that correctly. Shameless plug. Your name. I, yeah, I said that correctly. <laughs> um, you can find uh, a GIF that I posted. I'm, I'm doing GIFs now. And mm-hmm. I think that's that's the next wave in recruiting. So a GIF is. is in there. He makes a sick one-handed catch in the back of the end zone. Doesn't come down with it because it was overthrown, but it just shows you what kind of athlete USC is getting. Um, another big athlete that USC is getting that also will be coming to campus with a ring on his finger is Ekasedric Ware, uh, four-star running back from Texas. Cedar Hill High School, they won a championship. Him and teammate Demarcus Lodge, who he officially visited campus with, not sure USC is sitting in a great spot with DeMarcus Lodge. He's kind of been a little quiet, uh, according to Cedric Ware. But but Cedric Ware told me that regardless of USC's recruitment of other running backs, namely Ronald Jones II, who decommitted from Oklahoma State, has a top two of Notre Dame and USC, Cedric Ware is is leading Cardinal in gold right now. He, he feels loved. Uh, I know Coach Nansen has been out there. I know Clay Helton has been out there to see him and meet with him uh, in home. And he's planning to come back on an unofficial visit in January. On on January 16th, I believe, is the big weekend for USC commitments to be on campus. 
And USC, just like tight ends, they need running backs. Bagley, you want to have four or five. And there, and there, it, it looks like play. it looks like they could potentially bring in three in this recruiting class with Cedric Ware, with Dominique Davis, and potentially Ronald Jones the second. That would be good. I mean, we're we're gonna have Justin Davis. <laughs> that for would sure. do. That would do. Yeah. No. I mean, right. So Justin Davis will be there, and um, Trey Madden will be coming back. You know, but on the mend. You know, I mean, he's had a lot of injuries, and running backs get injured. You know, and so Buck Allen likely leaving. They stand to bring in a few guys. I think if they can get three, that'd be great for them. Yeah, they they need them. They need them like tight ends. Uh, otherwise, you're starting to look at walk-ons, I think, pretty soon. If, if they don't get those guys in, James Tolman has looked good, but I don't think he's the first priority for them. Um, you know, whether or not they get Ronald Jones, I, I think they need at least two. There's no question. And they're going to lose Buck Allen most likely. So huge priority. And it's a good thing they're recruiting uh, Mr. Ware. So. Yeah, and uh, it'll be a big couple weeks here now with the – all-american games chris you will be down in san antonio covering the u.s army bowl practices next week on the podcast tune in and and we'll get uh some on-site recruiting updates from chris swanson who will be on the ground there in texas Uh, a little chilly down there this time of year Mm -hmm. so uh, i bought a jacket just for it but uh you'll you'll have uh obviously a lot of food that you'll Mm -hmm. have eaten in san diego and yeah pretty good food down i learned from uh adam experience at washington state that you know stay warm be yeah, prepared stay warm so more. I take a jacket be. I will it's I will. December yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm bringing one <laughs> yeah no matter how close you get to the equator uh, it still gets a little cold <laughs> so educational alright and it, well it, it comes from me being in Brazil last summer oh. which was last winter down there but I was so close to the equator that you could not tell one bit uh, anyway so looking into the future now a little bit Javon McKinley landed a USC offer last, not this past weekend, but the last one. He was in the state bowl game championship, the open division against De La Salle. He's from Corona Centennial. Had a great game, uh, three touchdowns. One of them was a kickoff return. I know, you know, we've we've mentioned on this that he's might not be at the level of some of the elite 2016 guys like like Tyler Vaughn's or you know even Colin Johnson from up in NorCal but I think uh, Javon showed a lot uh, against uh, against De La Salle uh, very very explosive much more explosive than I've seen him before and it was it was you could see it on that 92 yard kickoff return touchdown they lost to De La Salle um, but he you know he grew up a USC fan I think it's you know he's one of those guys that if they want him, they'll have him. Um, not sure if they'll want him yet, obviously because there's so many 2016 receivers, especially here locally, that they're sitting in a great spot with. Um, but he's a guy that I think uh, you know gives the Trojans a, a good, maybe a, a good guy to, to bring in in that 2016 group. Yeah, he'll definitely be worth monitoring. You love a kid that had an, ep- an epic playoff run like he did playing in a you know, big time he, division. He he compiled more than two thousand receiving yards this year. Yeah, I mean, and I think what like more than a third of it came in the playoffs. You know, in this, you know, five six. And he wasn't playing run. slouches either. Right. I mean, he's going Pack up against Gardena Serra. He's going up against Bosco. He's going up against De La Salle. So this kid's proven it when it matters. That's that's what I wanted to mention. You you said earlier. You know, he might not be on the same level as some of these other guys. Well. You know, he might have proved us wrong. Yeah, recently he's, he's playing. He's playing against the the yeah. best competition. So, the, yeah, maybe the best competition, like west of Texas, even like honestly, like mm-hmm. maybe even in the entire country. So, yeah, I, I think I think he's showing that he's incredibly talented, and he's definitely worth watching. Yeah, no, he'll be a guy. Another guy that I wanted to mention was Devin Asiasi, twenty sixteen tight end slash defensive end slash quarterback he played quarterback <laughs> for wow. de la salle this kid is 6'5 235 playing quarterback he had a rushing touchdown in that big victory for de la salle they overcome last year's loss to, to st john bosco to win a state championship this year but asiasi is is the real deal i mean he's he's a man out there and he's a 2016 recruit obviously officially vi- or unofficially visited usc during the season and it was his first trip he, he visited with his family, his parents, and uh, he, he really likes the Trojans. And he's a guy that, like we said, 
you know, they're only they they might only bring in one tight end in this class with Tyler Petit. They're able to bring in another or two more in the 2016 class and leave some spots open in, on the depth chart. I think they're in a great spot with Devin Asiasi. Yeah, even even with Isaac Garcia committed, they probably need another one in that class. Is and probably, I, but I think they might want him at defensive end. They, and they need defensive ends too. Look yeah. at their defensive line right now. They're going to need and defensive That's one of those things years. about the staff is that they're recruiting guys that are capable at multiple spots. So it's very very smart. I mean, if a kid doesn't work out at one position, switch him over. If you know, if you're if you're sitting in a great spot on the recruiting trail with with two other guys maybe at one spot, and you're like, oh, you know, we really like these two defensive ends. Can you come in as a tight end? You know, it's, there's just. A lot of versatility there, and it's a it's a plus. Mm-hmm. You have to do it when there's what depth issues. I think we've mentioned that before. I, I don't know, but I mean they have an open mind too. You look at you know Adori and Juju and Rasheed Johnston, and from day one there was an opportunity for them to go either way, and you know we we saw with Juju and Adori, two of the top freshmen in the Pac-12, you know even in the country. Okay, so you mentioned you mentioned this is perfect right here. Open oh, yeah. mind, <laughs> open mind. So. Who doesn't have an open mind, and who you know who's I guess very uh, very not open to to position switch. Well, Biggie, <laughs> Adam, let's let's go into this Biggie Marshall stuff. He's been a corner, he's been a safety at the high school level, mm-hmm. just out of necessity for Long Beach Poly, just because they need someone in the box or whatever. And we've seen him in seven on sevens play receiver and, and safety, but. At the next level, they are adamant that he's a corner. He's obviously the number one rated cornerback, according to Rivals.com. Well, and he had a very curious tweet the other day. Uh, I'm going to quote it here. <laughs> that safety talk me to hush. Dot, dot, dot. I'm a corner. Duly so, noted. Yeah, and I mean, that to me was, you know, thinly veiled toward USC because they might need him to play safety. You know, we don't know what we're in for next year at safety. It looks like it, it will be John Plattenberg and who knows what. And so they have a couple and guys. At corner, and at corner, it'll be probably Adore 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 Jackson and Kevon Seymour. It, it will be. Seymour's a, he'll be a senior. Yeah. He'll be so, a senior. Yeah. Year. So we, you know, we're talking about a Pac 12 Defensive Player of the Year. Adore yeah, the Jackson. freshman. Mm-hmm. And then we're talking about a senior. And Biggie Marshall obviously wants to play right away, and he is probably capable of playing right away. And that can still happen at corner. Um, they're gonna, you know, they they play a lot of nickel. You want to, I mean, you want to play at least four corners, I think, in a you know, in a given game. And but I think with these guys, you know, th- there's a lot of pride involved. You want to be one or two as a true freshman. Yeah, and hey, who's to say that he wouldn't beat out? Keep you on. Know, Probably Kevon, right? I mean, I don't think you can be out of Dory, but even if he doesn't, you know that nickel spot will be open. Um, I, I don't believe Stuart Cravens will play nickel anymore, and right now we're seeing Lamont Simmons and Jonathan Lockett fight for that. Um, you know, the bowl practices we haven't gotten much out of it because Kevon's been injured and it's been a lot of Josh Shaw and, and Dory. But looking ahead, I think that. They need a third corner, like a, an every-down corner. Maybe it'll be Biggie, but I just thought that was a little interesting yeah. that he played, you know, safety corner at high school, and now he's saying, like, I'm not playing safety in college. Yeah, I mean, and that's where kind of the negative recruiting from other colleges comes into play. I mean, you know, when you're meeting with Florida State and Notre Dame and UCLA and, and all these other programs, and they're telling you, hey, you know, you're going to play right away here. USC might have. No right. spot He'll play you corner. corner. Yeah. Right. So yeah, it'll it'll be interesting. Eighteen spots, like we mentioned before, um, they have twenty four spots to take in this class. So that leaves us with six. If my math again is, Man, is correct, Chris, I, I, yeah, I think I'm on a roll right you now. You are. I think it might Did be. This, major it math? might be this sweater. This this sweater that I'm wearing. This cardigan. Yeah, it's not keeping you warm, but it's no. What, what color is it? Is that true blue? <laughs> It's baby blue, It man. matches my pants, all right? So leave me alone. <laughs> um, so six remaining spots, Chris. Hmm. What positions do you think they still need need to address? I think you mentioned it earlier defensive end is a big one. Defensive end, defensive line all over the place. I mean, really, they could probably just take six of those guys. I don't and, think anybody would And complain. the big, the biggest candidates that come to mind for me are, are obviously Rasheem Green, mm-hmm. five-star defensive end from Guardian Acera. Yeah. And, and a guy that 
like we mentioned again, versatile, plays outside linebacker, plays defensive end. Porter Gustin from Utah. Yeah, you know, there's a couple different things they could actually uh, end up doing here, depending on, I think, who they get. Uh, Porter Gustin, you know, I think they're going to start him at, at outside linebacker, but he could grow into that defensive end, and maybe they try to put him on that track if they miss on Rasheem Green, or maybe they try to put Christian Rector on that track, too, to try to get him, you know, to put his hand down and, and be on the defensive line. Uh but I think, obviously, they want Rasheem Green. You know, they don't want to do that. They, they just want to sign him. And they have a couple of backup plans that they've, you know, been talking to. Uh, Kevin Scott out of Salesian. Benning. Kind of yeah, yeah, he's, he's one. Um, we don't think he's going to USC. Uh, we think probably Washington, UCLA. Yeah, so uh, he'll be down here at the Semper Fidelis All-American yeah. Bowl. So he'll yeah. get a taste of Los Angeles. Uh, might, might visit. Mm-hmm. as well later on in January but he's like you said might be a backup guy yeah. right now. and there's a couple other guys like that to look out for like Chris Lewis at Riverside uh City College they have they're they're getting their ducks in a row they're going to take a defensive lineman even if they miss on Rashim Green they're going to they're going to address that situation and they definitely should I think they need to get these linebackers um in addition to defensive linemen think about the fact that Lamar Johnson will be coming back but playing his final year Anthony Sorrow, final year. Stuart Cravens, very likely final year next year. Yeah. And the linebacker play is not what, you know, people have grown accustomed to from USC in that Carroll era. And they got to get back to that. You know, I think I go back to that year, I think in 09, when they missed on Burfick and Teo. And there might be one more I'm forgetting here, but those two, I think, more than anybody. And so. You know that was that they were going to continue. You know that that level of dominance at linebacker that we saw throughout the Carroll era that I really thought um, was underrated and under you know underappreciated aspect of dominant defenses. Yeah. And I'd like to see them get some of the best linebackers. Yeah, to, the, fi- to fill up the class. Yeah, they are, they have Cameron Smith, a mid-year enrollee who's already committed, and they're in a great spot with John Houston from Guardian of Sarah, five-star outside linebacker and also Osa Messina who's announcing at the US Army game and Chris Chris will be there so mm-hmm. Osa Messina and uh you know I saw him in Salt Lake City visited USC last for the Notre Dame game really feeling the Trojans and and uh, you know we feel I think I think we have a consensus opinion here that I think USC will probably land Osa Messina unless uh, I think UCLA is the other finalist. So it'll be interesting uh, heading into National Signing Day. Mm-hmm. And uh, Chris will be down in, in uh, San Antonio next week. Have so. you said that yet? Ah man, I'm just trying. I'm just trying to get it out there because we we need to we need to plug <laughs> right. this next podcast. Uh, so check back next week as we preview the ho- or as we recap the Holiday Bowl and the Nebraska game. And uh, we'll also preview the U.S. Army game and all that good stuff. Thanks for listening to the Trojansports.com podcast. Thanks for listening to this week's Trojansports.com podcast. Your one-stop shopping for everything Trojan sports. Recaps, previews, the best in recruiting, and some fun and frivolity with the boys. Follow the guys on Twitter at Bangulo, at Chris B. Swanson, and at Adam J. Maya. We'll see you next week on the TrojanSports.com podcast.